Welcome to the Air Combat Simulation Podcast, brought to you by BVR Productions. Together with content creators, mission builders, experts, and enthusiasts, we explore the comprehensive world of combat aircraft simulation. Everybody and welcome back to the Air Combat Sim. My name is Sport, and uh, today I'm joined by Baltic Dragon and uh, the Goat himself, Mr. Rob Grady, and uh, we are doing a interview today, talking to two real-life military aviators who uh, have picked up DCS. Uh, right now, I am joined by uh, we are joined by Mr. Ward Carroll, call sign Mooch, and uh, Mr. Casmo. So say hello, gentlemen. Hey guys, good to see you again. Great to be here. This is Mooch. Hello, gentlemen. What's going on? Casmo here. So we gathered here today to kind of talk about your experiences with uh, DCS and how they might relate to your real-world uh, flying experience. Um, and kind of start off, I want to just ask you guys, how did you get into DCS? And uh, if you could tell us a little bit about your military background. And uh, Casmo, let's start off with you. Okay. Uh, well, obviously, I've, so I've been here before. I know some people have already heard some of my background, but I started playing DCS pretty much right after I got out of flight school, 2004. I think it was back then it was called Lock-On Modern Air Combat. Uh, so it kind of hadn't made that transition to DCS World and all that jazz. Uh, but yeah, I played pretty much for a couple of years then, then stopped playing for a while and then got back into it back in, uh, I don't know, 2016, something like that time frame. So I've been I've been around it for quite a while. And you mentioned flight school there. Uh, which flight school did you graduate from? Uh, that was for the Army, Army flight school. Excellent. And uh, what were you flying in the Army? Tanks. Uh, I flew, flew tanks. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I flew Kiowas and Apaches. Excellent. And uh, Mooch, welcome to the uh, welcome to the podcast. Um, tell us a little bit about your background and how you found DCS. Uh. Well, I've, I've been on before as well, just like Casmo, um, so it's great to, to be back. I, I found DCS as my YouTube channel started to grow quickly about a year and a half ago, and um, I, I threw Jello, who I knew from the fleet. Uh, he was in one of the Hornet squadrons when I was the airwing ops officer in the 97-98 time frame aboard the George Washington so I knew Jello had started his podcast, and as I was launching the channel, I reached out to him for some, you know, advice, and he gave me some best practices, and then he also mentioned DCS, and so through Jello, I met RG and BD, and so we just started brainstorming, and they gave me some uh, things to do and things to avoid associated with DCS, and so um, I'm a practitioner. I don't like to have things be an abstract, whether I'm the editor of a website or whatever, whatever. And, and so I, I wanted to do this for real and, and wanted to be, you know, intimately familiar with it. So through the assistance of RG uh, and Tricker, who's kind of my flight instructor, um, I'm off and running. So um, I'm, as we say, in, in the fam stage of, of the RAG. Um, and my background is I was a Tomcat Rio um, for my entire 20-year career. And I think what is assisting me in my DCS, uh, particularly when I'm the pilot, is I was a RAG instructor. And, and as a RAG instructor, you, you really get smart on the front seat by design. In fact, they put you through the front seat simulator FAM syllabus. And then further, when I was the maintenance officer in VF-102, I got low power turn quality. So you have to go through the start checks. Um, and I actually spared a flight for the, for the CAG one time down in Puerto Rico. Um, and so I, I, this is all to say I know the front seat very well. And uh, so I've chosen, I have three airplanes that, that uh, I have the stuff for, A-10, F-18, and Tomcat. Uh, I've chosen to, to get 
going on the F-14, particularly the B, um, because most of the squadrons I was in were, were B squadrons. Um, and so I'm very excited. Um, I like to tell people it's not a game, it's a simulator, because it's, it really is. And what I've been doing lately um, with, uh, you know, cat shots and arrested landings and flying from Guam to the Harry S. Truman 40 miles off the coast, tanking, flying form, 1v1s against an SU-27, all these kinds of things, uh, it's just a reminder of what it takes uh, to, to be a, an aviator, you know, scan. Um, and, uh, you know, you have to have a technique and, and all of these sorts of things. So I'm reawakening part of, of my uh, past um, that uh, is, is really uh, cool, and, and I'm, I'm just getting started. So uh, I know we'll talk about the details as we go forward here, but that's, that's my, you know, where I am with DCS. Wow, well, that's that's awesome. Just on technical side, uh, can you tell us what you're using, and if you're using the VR or you're flying with with track IR, what what's your setup? Yeah, so I'm doing track IR, um, and I love it. Uh, I um, there are some good YouTube videos in terms of how you uh, groom it. You know, it's not just out of the box. Uh, you you need to. Uh, depending on the size of your monitor and, and the other stuff. Again, Tricker is the man. Uh, he, he gave me some of what he likes, and then I've tweaked it. Um, but I have the, a 49-inch Samsung Odyssey G9 monitor, the curved one, which is plenty nice. Um, and I'm using uh, the DP instead of HDMI, which is another detail that I was unaware of. Uh, so I have really high res, and I'm loving the uh, track IR. There, there is a trick to it that you've got to practice, and that's you know, particularly in the in the ACM environment, keeping sight uh, is uh, is a challenge if you've never you know done it. And and once you get it, then it's uh, it's easier. But it's something you need to practice. And you, Casper, I think you, you mentioned that before in the podcast, but uh, I'm not sure if I remember if you're a VR guy or track IR as well. Uh, I have VR. I, I think the problem with being a content creator is is not making something that's nauseating. Uh, I particularly cannot, I do not enjoy watching people's VR videos because it's always just kind of zipping around and, and everything. Um, so I, I, I have VR. If I can sit here right next to me, I very rarely use it. Um, unless I'm, I, I typically play it with IL2 just for fun because I think it comes across a little bit better. It's a little bit choppy. I think the problem in DCS right now, just because of the, it's being a bit of a resource hog is depending on what you're doing in DCS, I feel like VR is good. So if you're doing dogfighting and you're up at like 20,000 feet and stuff, VR I think is great because you're not competing with all the ground clutter that the, that it's trying to render. But you know, I'm, I'm an air to ground guy. Like that's what I like to do. It's very hard to pick out targets in VR, at least in my experience uh, with DCS. Um, so I, I typically just use track IR. I think it looks great for content creators to be wearing that on their head while they're just joking, just joking. Especially while you're streaming, yeah. yeah. Oh, especially yeah. when you're It's a good yeah, look. Yeah. It really is, yeah. And what sort of peripherals are you guys using? Um, stick, throttle, what, what have you guys chosen? So I have the uh, Thrustmaster Hotaz throttle quadrant. Um, I our RG got me the, the Tomcat stick, um, which as people who have used it. No, there, there's a trick to making sure it seats that there was a gotcha with, with that, pull the stem out and attach the stem. And then, uh, you know, it's, it takes some doing to get all of that attached. And so as we were binding it, we, we discovered that it hadn't seated right. So that's the only gotcha, but you know, while DCS players know you can map any stick to do anything, I just love, and again, this accelerated the binding process because DLC, nose wheel steering, trim, weapon select, it's just like it is in the real airplane. So I was able to do that uh, really quickly. And then the, the rest are the, the choices you make around speed brake and wing sweep and what switch you know allows you to salute the cat officer, um, flaps, and, and that sort of stuff. So I, I think the Thrustmaster Hotaz throttle quadrant is very agile. 
there's a, there's a lot of stuff. You know, the 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 gear button is kind of intuitive. Flaps make sense. So I think that's got a lot of agility. I, I don't feel like I have to have a Tomcat throttle quadrant, but I'm really happy because I have flown the Hornet, the the C, uh, in in DCS just doing some free flight. Um, I'm not, you know, intimately smart on the the Hornet yet. Um, but I like the feel of that stick too, but I wouldn't have wanted to map it to be the Tomcat. So I have the Tomcat stick. I have the, uh, the big rudder pedals, the, the Thrustmaster rudder pedals, which are like full size. They're awesome. Um, and I did have to modify my sim pit, uh, cause I have the Volare sim pit and those don't fit out of the box. And so I had to uh, do what RG calls a hack and put a little shim under the front of them and just raise them just enough that they clear the frame of the sim pit. So that's a minor f fix that, that you know, I, I, I'm glad I didn't have to use the smaller um, sort of homemade rudder pedals because these really do, and in the Tomcat especially, because you're using a lot of rudders at high angles of attack um, and so it feels real to me to boot full rudder and watch the nose go and, and that sort of thing. Um, so I guess that's the basics. I mean, I can go through the, or I can allow Archie to go through the details of my CPU. Um, we did swap out the, um, the graphics card. You know, we, we upgraded it. Uh, I did have the GeForce GTX. Um, what number is on this first one? That is a 1080 Ti, but uh, then he's on a 2070 Super. Yeah, so we got the 27 Super, which, as everybody knows, is is the one that allows you to do VR and other things. So, uh, you know, and uh, a, a Gucci motherboard. And, and again, I'll let RG talk to the specifics because he built the CPU for me. And we did, like, telemedicine so I could swap out the graphics cards, you know. I was like some refugee in a third world country trying to do open heart surgery. Uh, um, I, no, it was, uh, it was, it, I would just say it's one of those things that uh, there's a lot of benefits to, um, to buying a PC out of the box. And <laughs> when it comes, if something when you, like we shipped it and it wasn't, we couldn't get the screen to come on. I'm like, oh my gosh. So trying to troubleshoot remotely is always a terrible thing, especially if you're building it. But we're yeah. up and running. And yeah. I had, a, just to uh, finish up on the stick, I had a Verpal F14 um, stick. And I got, when I first got the module and it first came out, I'm, it sat on the shelf and I was not going to use it. So I'm like, you know, you're an F14 guy, so you, you definitely need an F14 uh, stick. So Yeah. So, you know, things like DLC, bumping DLC, nose wheel steering, you know. Um, all of those sorts of things. Around the boat, having a Tomcat stick when you're flying the Tomcat, I would say is, is necessary. Um, but you don't have to. But So I'm focused on the F-14 like right now and, and on the front seat because everybody's going to go, oh, Mooch, you're a Rio. Uh, yes, um, but right now I'm doing pilot stuff. And, uh, you know, so it's exciting. And, and what else? Uh, yeah, I think that's it in terms of my, you know, the rest is details about um, keyboards and headsets, and I did discover the hard way that I needed to get a USB port, 3.0 powered port. Thank you, Tricker. Um, and once we did that, then my boot up uh, maladies uh, relieve themselves. You know, so these are all the little details um, that you discover. Um, probably necessary pain. You know, I'm glad RG and Tricker are of good cheer and have a lot of patience. Um, and, and so I think we're almost there now. You know, it has been literally, what, you guys, eight months that we've been working on this. Um, and I know some of uh, our providers have been wondering what the hell is Mooch doing. And, and so, you know, it's wait, wait, hurry up. We'll be, we'll be ready to go here very soon. Yeah. I mean, we've been really fortunate. And, uh, you know, thanks to our the good friends at Thrustmaster for, for providing the, um, the set of gear. Uh, for Mooch, and then uh, and then thanks to Eagle Dynamics for providing the licenses. So Wags was fantastic and uh, set him up with everything. So as he's getting proficient and he's rolling with it, um, you know, hats off to them for really making a lot of this happen. No, absolutely. Let me second that. So I'm going to do an episode here very soon, um, just talking about some of the 
initial discoveries, uh, including the basics of hardware, software, and then some of the learnings of, of DCS. And, and that'll include, you know, me flying around and, 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 and some basic techniques based on my experience in the, uh, in the airplane. Well, I can't wait to see that. Um, and Casmo, what about you? What are you? What are you rocking for your control setup? Uh, I've got one of those Atari sticks where it's got the <laughs> little button in the corner. <laughs> I just map everything to that. Uh, no, so I have. Uh, I've kind of evolved over the past two years since I started my channel. Um, right now, I've got the. I'm a V man, so I've got VKB and Verpal stuff. So I've got the VKB Gunfighter Three Ultimate, which is like the metal one which I, I cannot uh, tell you how, how good it is. It, it's really, uh, I had the VK, uh, the gunfighter three before that. It was kind of plasticky. It was very loud. It made a lot of clicks and stuff. This one's, this one's nice. It's got an extension. I think you got to have an extension if you're doing any helicopter stuff. And then I've got the VKB pedals, which I'm not too excited about. I think I'm going to trade them in. I want to get something with toe brakes. Uh, some eyeballing the verbal ones. And then I've got a verbal mongoose three, which has got more buttons than I know what to do with. And then uh, I have a collective, but it's like a prototype. So a guy was looking to make some collectives, get into the market. He sent me one to test. And then since then, life has gotten in the way in COVID and stuff. And so he hasn't really been able to expand on it. So I still have it. I still use it. It's great. But I can't tell you where to buy it because you can't. Um, and then otherwise, computer-wise, you know, I, I think I've got a 2080. I've got 64 gigs of RAM. So I have enough to be dangerous with DCS. You know, you can always use more. Um and then, yeah, like we said, I use track IR. I've also got those Cougar MFDs. You guys use those at all? It's got the little, um, you know, it's like a little MFD. It's got buttons all around it. Um, I have it. I don't use it that much. I always kind of forget that I have it, but I think they're pretty handy. Until the Apache came out, because I guess fighters only have like five buttons on the MFDs, and the Apache's got six, so it's kind of hard to use. And I, I did see that there's a there's a firm that just came out with some, that just announced some Apache uh, yeah, total controls. I'm I'm yeah. I'm talking to them. I'm hoping they'll let me test it out. <laughs> <laughs> In case you're listening. Um but yeah. No, and those look really good. He's done a great job. He sent me some screenshots before they came out and they look absolutely fantastic. So that kind of actually leads me into a, a kind of a follow-up with that and Casmo, I'll start with you, but when it comes to um the peripherals that you have and that you're using with DCS, um how have you found your muscle memory um, translating from your previous experiences into DCS. So that's kind of a two-edged sword, I guess. On one hand, um, and I'm I'm kind of a jokester on on Twitch because uh, you know people complain all the time, particularly about helicopters, because helicopters are very hard to simulate, um, just because they're very unstable by nature. And uh, you know I always get the comments, "Oh, this thing's broken; it can't fly." And I'll get on stream and I'll hover with one finger. Um, a lot of that is from that muscle memory of being able to manipulate the controls. The part where things fall through, and this is where the, the sort of debate of game versus simulation, all that stuff, is, you know, unless you have a full sim pit, there's only so much that your muscle memory can help you out with with regards to everything else, right? Um, because obviously in the real world, we don't reach down to a mouse and move, you know, the cursor over here to push this button or something like that. Um, so that part gets a little fiddly. But I think for the flying standpoint, um, yeah, the muscle memory is, is mostly there. Assuming that you have, you know, some curves set and then also assuming, and it's really hard with the Apache in particular because of the way that the trim works in the aircraft. You know, we don't, most of us don't have some sort of force feedback uh, type control that's going to, you know, lock the cyclic in place. So for instance, in the Apache, if you release, if you interrupt the force trim, move the cyclic forward and left and release the force trim, the cyclic is going to stay in that position. So when you're playing it with DCS and you do that, your in-game cyclic is going to move and stay there, but your real joystick is not, right? So it's going to come back to center. And so that can cause a lot of issues if you're not used to it and you don't kind of figure out a way to sort of to, to work around that manipulation. So I think that gets very difficult. Um, but beyond that, yeah, it's, it's pretty much one-to-one, -one, I guess. And Mooch, I'll just uh, punt it over to you for the next one, for, you know, for that uh, same question. So I'm comparing the F-14 simulator to DCS, not the F-14 to DCS. And so I think based on the hours I've spent in the 2F-95 and the 2E-6, and the 2E-6 was the ACM simulator, 
back in the day, the 2F95 was the, uh, the front seat simulator um, that allowed you to do, you know, every flight regime, including landing on the boat. Um, and so what, I, what pilots would tell me um, as I was uh, decrying how hard it was to land on the boat, they would say it's easier to land the airplane in real life than the simulator. They would say it's harder to land the simulator than it is to land the airplane. And the reason is, and I'm sure Casmo could speak to this, is you know all of the G-forces and the ground rush and the, the third dimension that you have in real life, you don't have in the sim environment, even in VR and everything else. So, um, you know, I, I'm finding, I'm reminded of that, uh, especially in close at the boat, because uh, you'll you'll be hitting your numbers, you know, all around the pattern, and then it's really a challenge to not goon it up from half mile in, you know, in, to to trap, uh, and so I. You know, that's just one of the artificialities of the simulator environment that is solvable. But I think in general, uh, Sport, the um, the DCS in terms of all the peripherals that I have is is a direct replication of the airplane. I mean, the gains feel right. The, the, the you know, the trim response, the wings move at the right speed, the flaps come down, DLC, when you bump DLC, the airplane moves appropriately, the way the airplane reacts when the gear come down and the flaps come down. Um, I, I think it's a brilliant, brilliant uh, uh, design. Uh, I know Oki Nance had a big part of the, uh, the, the, the Tomcat that Heatbler did, and he was on my channel, um, and I had a chance to talk to him about it, and I was disappointed to find out that he wasn't flying DCS. Um, but his one takeaway as he did try to fly it once in the free flight uh, arena was it, it flat spins too quickly. And that's not what I'm finding. I'm, I'm not finding, and I've done, I've gotten the airplane high alpha, uh, you know, boot and rudders where it, it if it was, had a tendency to go into the flat spin too quickly, it would have. So I don't have any quarrel about that. In fact, it feels really true in terms of the high alpha and you know, don't move the stick, boot the rudder. This is pre-DFCS, by the way. The, the B and A versions uh, are pre-DFCS, which kind of solve things. So you still need to use rudders, which I like. Um, and again, that's a pitch for getting the Thrustmaster big rudder pedal uh, uh, rig. And uh, so I'm really happy uh, with, uh, with what, I'm, what I'm seeing and feeling so far. But if you had a choice, which one to use for fun, like for a, mil a military, real military simulator or a DCS? It's one of our listeners' questions. Which one would you choose just to have fun? Because people probably think, ah, I'd like to go into the real military simulator and see how it is. There's probably tons of different options, etc. So what's your point of view? Uh, I, I would rather do DCS. Uh, so a couple of things. My So when you say simulator to mooch, you're going back to the mid to late 90s, right? So technology has come a long way. Uh, our ACM simulator was kind of like a planetarium. You know, you had this big dome over a cockpit and the bandits were brought, were, were like, you know, shown on the dome. Um, and so that's how, how the, the technology was. And it was like a physical light that, you know, just like a planetarium. Um, it was fun. It was real. It, it was, I remember they got trees for the ground one time that looked like these little cones. We thought that was a big deal that suddenly we have ground clutter and, and stuff. Um, but and in fact, I understand the A-10 community is actually using DCS. Uh, it's, that's how real it is, right? So um, I, I've had this conversation with the Airboss, uh, Emma Weitzel, um, who I will see in a couple of weeks. I'm moderating a panel at the Naval Institute that he's going to be part of. I knew him as a RAG instructor. He's now the, the commander of Naval Air Forces for the Navy, three-star. And I mentioned, have you seen this DCS? It's fantastic. And as we look at ways to do simulators and training and dot, dot, dot. Um, so he's actually going to get check it out. Um, but that's a long answer, BD, for the question. But the answer is I would definitely uh, pick DCS. Cool. Casmo? Uh, DCS because I could drink beer. Um, no, but... I I think 
you know, Mooch, the, the technology hasn't changed visually that much. It still looks like crap uh, in most military simulators. The trees look like polygons and, and things like that. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is like, you know, the comparison between the two, it's hard because they're two completely different animals. Um, you know, I'll, I'll take the Apache as a, as a example. It's called the longbow cockpit trainer. So think about that word for a second, cockpit trainer. What you're really trying to do at a military simulator for most most times is it's it's procedural. It's which button does what and when to push it. And, you know, it's less about the graphics like the graphics always look like crap. OK, and I've flown Apache, Kiowa, Boeing 737, Airbus. They all look like garbage outside because nobody cares. Like that doesn't matter. That's irrelevant, honestly, to what you're doing in the simulator. But they all to a T have the buttons where the buttons are supposed to be and the switches where the switches are supposed to be. Cause that's really fundamentally what you're trying to do, uh, in the simulator, um, flight model. I would say the only time I've ever flown a simulator and then flown the real thing and was like, Holy crap, that felt just like the simulator was a Boeing 737. The landing felt just like it. It was a little bit harder when I landed for real life, but that's just cause I'm not a very good pilot. But, uh, but in helicopters, particularly, like I was just, you just, you can slide all around and do all this weird stuff that if you tried to do that in a real aircraft would probably not end well very for, you know, for you. Um, and you can end up doing that in DCS a lot too. So, uh, I think military simulators can be fun. Um, but I think pound for pound DCS, if, if you're wondering is, is probably a better, uh, a better time. And I will say that one of the main reasons is because it's kind of in the name combat simulator combat has a lot to do with coordination. In fact, I would say a vast majority of combat is actually talking on a radio and coordinating with someone else. Um, it's very little pulling the trigger and dropping bombs and shooting missiles and stuff. Um, you can do that more easily in DCS. Mooch can jump in an F-14 and fly around. BD can be in a Hornet. I can be an Apache and we can all do stuff together. I've never been in a military simulator that will allow us to interconnect. If Mooch was in an F-14 simulator, I bet there's no way in hell that it can somehow connect to an Apache, to a Hornet, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so that allows you, that, that is one really good thing about DCS. It allows you to kind of play out these scenarios. And, I, and I'd be willing to bet that like the Air Force and, you know, maybe one day the Navy will pick up these things because it allows for that. Now, does it translate to being, well, if you're a really good A-10 pilot in DCS, could you fly an A-10 in real life? I personally don't agree with that because to Mooch's point earlier, when you fly, there are so many things happening to your body that you cannot be prepared for. The first, I remember the first time taking off in a helicopter and just being like, holy crap, like just, you know, the sensations that happen to you, no amount of playing DCS is going to prepare you for. And I've talked to plenty of people who played DCS and then finally went to go fly and have all said the same thing. Like, yeah, it was, I, I, wow. You know, and you were just in a Cessna. Imagine taking off in an F-14, you know, at whatever speed you guys rotate at. Imagine taking off in a helicopter. You've never been in one before. There's things happening to your body that you will not be prepared for. Um, and so I think when we look at DCS as a simulator, where is its real power and its real capability? It's in that ability to do the coordination. It's in the ability to, to just have these large kind of scope uh, situations where everyone can talk and, and integrate and stuff. And I, I think if I think I mean, the other Apache guys and I know that, that we fly DCS, we always say, man, I wish we had this when we were in the army. I wish we could have played with this. It wouldn't have necessarily made us better pilots. It would have absolutely made us better combat aviators, if that makes sense. I think Kaz makes a brilliant point. Um, and so, uh, you know, when I was at Rio, I would sit at the console as the pilot was in the 2F95 doing procedures, right? And so it was emergency procedures. It was that sort of thing. Um, so I, I concur, although I have oversped the flaps uh, off the CAD and I get a flap light. Um, you know, and so now it's like, okay, what was the emergency procedure for a flat flight again? Um, so, but I, that, I, I think he, his point is very well taken in terms of what are military simulators for? Um, and uh, I also second his notion, because as he was talking about, uh, you know, he and the Apache Bubba sort of wondering what would life have been like if they'd had DCS. Tactically, I'm thinking of a BVR timeline if you had DCS in the back of the ready room, you know, in a couple of stations set up, you guys, you, you know, you could get a division going through this in a highly relevant way in terms of, you know, your, your, your weapons execution and the BVR timeline, all these kinds of things. I, I, I wonder if, they've, if they're even thinking about, about doing that. Um, 
you know, even if you're a, a Super Hornet squadron and you're flying the Legacy Hornet, I think there's some value uh, in uh, in that kind of, uh, you know, the, the rhythm, the meter of that. Um, so, again, I, I think it's, uh, it is combat and, and it, it is, you know, people are kind of wondering if it's classified or not. Um, obviously, these are all airplanes that don't exist anymore, um, at least in terms of the F-14 and the, the Legacy Hornet, um, but, uh, or mostly don't. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 again, I, I'm, my bottom line takeaway right now with the 30 hours, 40 hours I've flown my rig is uh, it's uh, incredibly realistic. And this is where proficiency, if you think you're going to get into it or you, you're, you're wondering how would I get into it, especially if you're like a retired naval aviator. Um, and, and that when I go to hook, I'm going to talk to some of the, the Bubba's, you know, just like I've talked to hosts. I'm like, dude, you've got to do this. You know, it, it's going to, you know, this is when you were a Jedi. You know, you can be, stop being Obi-Wan or Ben Kenobi and go back to be Obi-Wan again, right? And, and, and so, um, you know, and, and I, it's about, you've, you've actually, I, I concur with what Casmo said in terms of, you know, it doesn't necessarily, if you can fly DCS, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, you could fly the real airplane, but it's it's a 75% solution, you know, uh, in terms of, for instance, to land on the boat, you've uh, the Tomcat, you've got to monitor AOA, airspeed, and centerline, and your fuel flow, and there's all, you know, the scan is just like in the real airplane. Um, and uh, so I think why I've been able to actually land uh, kind of out of the box, some of them were ugly, but, uh, but how I've been able to stop the airplane is because I know how to scan the instruments in real life. There are no shortcuts, you know, and, and so, uh, and including flying needles. Uh, and, and so I, I think that's the appeal. That should be the appeal to the person that's sitting on the fence wondering, you know, should I or not? And, and that's what I'm loving about taking it to the next level in terms of tactics and actually flying with other people and in the virtual environment and getting up Discord and having people, uh, you know, yell at me and whatnot. I'm, I'm, reminded, uh, I'm reminded of our first episode uh, many moons ago where uh, Jello was commenting on simisms and how the sim, you know, the sims aren't always going to be able to replicate it. And there, there were the simisms that they always experienced when they were doing, uh, they were in the sims and they had to be careful of it in that translating make, and making sure that, uh, well, that simism... Uh, that's going to be true here, but it won't be true in real life. Um, and I remember a million years ago, I actually was a, I was at Fort Knox and got into a Huey full motion simulator. And I think that's one of the things that people look at. Now, I of course thought I was going to be just great at it, but I don't, you know, I sure gave it a workout and that thing was <laughs> up, down, left, right. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think that's, uh, when, when we think about, having a good time and having fun, I think that's really been a great intersection. And, um, and I really, um, kind of go back to what, uh, Jello was saying about it and going, Hey, yeah, this is a, it's, it's definitely different, but if it was, if it was trying to do everything exactly the same, I'm not sure we'd have as much fun with it. Yeah. Well, and there's always a simism. There's not a sim that I've ever been in where there wasn't <laughs> something that was like, you know, it didn't matter what simulator, or what aircraft it was. There was always something like, okay, this is going to do this, but in a real aircraft, it doesn't do that. Um, so yeah, that's true. And I want to say, you know, things may have changed. Um, you know, you're talking, Mooch was talking about the, uh, the, the big, big simulator, ACM simulator or whatever. Um, cause I think that's probably for the jet guys, one of those things where it's hard, but they, they probably try to avoid doing certain things in the Sims, at least nowadays. Cause I know, uh, one F 18 guy I know who kind of dabbles in DCS, but, you know, he was telling me like these days, like they won't even practice dogfighting in a simulator because of some negative habit transfers that come from that. And I think part of that goes back to that that's in the seat, uh, you know, G forces. You're sitting in a simulator, you're not pulling G's. So your body is able to do things that you're not going to do in a real aircraft. And so if you've kind of practiced like, well, I'm going to do this in this situation. And now you get out there and you're pulling five G's or whatever. And you, you can't physically do that. Um, you know, and it was the same in the Apache. There were certain things where we'd pull a little bit of a G and, you know, not much, but it was enough to make you not feel good. Um, you know, in the simulator, obviously that never happened. So 
Yeah, there's definitely simisms, um, and I think that it's important too for people to understand that mili- even military simulators, civilian simulators, they all have those simisms, and they all have a lot of, I don't say a lot, but they all have inaccuracies uh, when it comes to how things actually work with flight model, with interaction with terrain, with weather, things like that. And I think Mooch actually really, yeah, you're right. And and Mooch brought up that point about, um, you know, with the BVR timeline, I could see how if, you know, correctly implemented, you could make a cost-effective way of, of teaching guys and working them through that. But once you get it within... Um, you know, within visual range and you're in the merge um, to what you just said, Casmo, on the potential of building bad habits is there because anyone who's ever pulled any G's knows that turning around in your seat and looking around while you're pulling G's is not easy and, you know, potentially dangerous to yourself as well. Well, Um, So all this stuff, it's a thinking man's game, right? So warfare, air warfare, whether it's air to air, air to ground, it just like he's talked about with the the timelines and stuff, and and just like we do uh, with some of our air to ground type stuff, the you only get so many hours a year that you get to fly, and I think a lot of people think that military pilots just come in every day on Monday and they just fly until eight o'clock at night, and then they come in on Tuesday and do it again. It doesn't work like that at all, um, and so you have a very limited time to actually work on things. If you can spend your time working on those proficiencies that rely on you having an actual aircraft doing stuff, whether it's firing live fire or it's doing some sort of you know high energy type stuff, honing your skill in the aircraft, if you have something where you can practice all that big brain type stuff, that's perfect. And just like he said, the ability to pull in five or six crews or whatever the case may be and work through those things, it's nearly impossible in real life. Because of those flight hour restrictions, it's it's incredibly impossible to to get that many aircraft involved in something unless it's a major operate unless it's you know some sort of major training event that took months and months to plan. But the ability to just hop in, hey, next week let's do this six ship attack on this target. Pff, that doesn't happen in real life, not with real aircraft. But you can do it with the various simulators as long as you've made the coordination. And so something like DCS allows you to do that very simply. Well, the other. The other, just to put a finer point on what Casmo was just saying, it, it, it's zero sum. In fact, Hoser and I just did a live stream a couple of days ago talking about an article that was in War on the Rocks of a Super Hornet Wizzo complaining that the TNR matrix didn't allow him to do anything well. You know, they were just dabbling in air to air, they're dabbling in air to mud, and so they're a jack of all trades, master of none. Um, you can orchestrate a, a 6VX. Um, but you're not, if you're doing a 6VX, you're not doing, you know, ASUW or you're not doing close air support or you're not doing whatever. And so um, it's, it's their, their problem is it is flight hours it, and, and bandwidth with each of these mission areas. Um, so, again, I think what we're saying here in terms of if you can leverage a simulator uh, environment, then and this isn't a new idea, by the way, they're 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 because it equals budget savings uh, if you can use simulators where right now you're using actual sorties. Because the cost of a Tomcat sortie was, um, it, it, on paper, it was $5,000 per flight hour gas-wise. But if you include maintenance man hours, it was $30,000. And we're talking, you know, mid-90s dollars here. So, you know, it's it's an expensive proposition. Uh, and as we know, you know, simulator only costs what it cost to plug it in basically. Um, and, uh, so, you know, again, this is where the, the, the things in terms of people wondering, is the simulator, if I get involved in DCS, is it like real life? Um, I, I think for my money, what I'm doing so far, it's, it, the answer is very much so. Obviously you can't, uh, pull G's. And as Kazo was talking about the, you know, the simulator, I, I, I'm sitting here wondering, why did we use the 2E6 again? And, I, and the answer was because of the spatial awareness. You know, it's not the G piece. It's the three-dimensional. And, and I will tell you, having done, the, uh, you know, 1v1s and, and, and other, the BVR timeline stuff in the, in the, in the Persian Gulf uh, mapping, um, it, it, it is accurate in terms of trying to keep sight past the merge, right? So as I see this, you know, MiG-29, and we're about to merge, and, and my dude is is telling me things time late, you know, I guess 
the, so far, the Rio is good for pithy stuff when you bolter and timeline information in ACM. Um, you know, and so I'm, I'm left wondering what's a Rio for, right? As a Rio, I'm saying this. Um, and, and so, um, but I, you know, you get the visual and, and then boom, you're like, okay, I'm going to lead tournament and, and whatever. And now keeping sight of the guy is just like in real life, you know? And, and so that is relevant. Now, however, to the point we're making here, now do that with seven and a half G's on the airplane, right? Because now you have this other thing, although it does gray and black out, right? You can pull so hard that the, the screen will go black, um, simulating that you've just blacked yourself out. Um, so, but again, I think, you know, obviously we can't replicate G yet. I guess there will be something in the future where you can replicate G um, in, in your sim pit. Uh, but I, I, I don't want to like, you know, bash those guys who are excited about DCS because I'm telling you that you, some of this stuff does translate in terms of keeping sight, BVR timelines, procedures, that sort of stuff, um, and scan. You know, uh, and and so you know, you you got to have the airplane on airspeed, on altitude, and so forth and so on to land at the boat. If you don't, you're gonna, the guy's going to wave you off, or you're going to kill yourself. You know, uh, and and so again, this is not Microsoft Flight. This is a whole different thing, uh, and 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 I think that's the beauty of of DCS. That actually segues perfectly into our next listener question, which would be. You know, let's say that they have, um, you know, basic flight training. They know how to fly an airplane. But what sort of things do you think a DCS sim player would have to unlearn in order to successfully fly, um, you know, like say your respective, you know, specialty aircraft, the F-14 or the Apache? What sort of habits do you see within the DCS community that people would have to generally, you know, get rid of in order to be successful in the real thing? Taking off from taxiways. um now i would say um i i don't know that there's necessarily any bad habits um i think it goes back to that what they used to call a proprioceptive system i think they've kind of changed the name to it but that seat of the pants feeling again i i can't reiterate enough how much more that will affect you particularly when you're just not used to it at all if you've never flown at all um the sensation that's happening in your body i think i think that is the one thing that will throw you for a loop um, and I, I kind of watch it with my kid. He's learning to drive and, you know, I'll tell him to do something that's just second nature to me, but to him, I can see the, the wheels turning and it's because he's behind the wheel, you know, and I just flew a 737 for the first time a couple of days ago. I've been flying for years. That guy was telling me to do stuff and it's like, he's speaking gibberish because I'm so focused on doing what I'm doing with this jet that I've barely got any time in that those words don't translate. And it's, again, it's because a lot of things that are just happening to your body that you are not replicating sitting at the, at, at the seat of the table here. Um, and then the second thing I would say is just something that you also have to get used to is the radios. Um, you flying without being able to talk on a radio is a non-starter and the radio is always going and there's always something. And so it's, it's kind of like, you know, the joke about old people turning down the radio when they get lost driving the car. It's the same kind of thing. You've got all this, this information flowing into your brain and um, it, it can be very distracting. And so I think those are the things that it's again, it's not a it's not something that they they do like a bad habit. It's just something that you would probably have to prepare for. So that, those are my thoughts. So I, I don't think I'm talking so much about things you'd have to unlearn, but but things you'd have to start to focus on that you don't in a Cessna. And I'm, I'm talking Tomcat specifically two variables. One is angle of attack and the second is fuel flow. Um, just like in the real airplane, you cannot hear the engines. Um, the ECS is very loud. And so how you reference your power isn't RPMs, it's fuel flow. And so this is accurately replicated in the DCS environment. And also angle of attack, both in the landing pattern and during ACM is a primary instrument. Not that you're flying a lot of ACM in a, in a Cessna, um, but uh, those two things are, are very fundamental in, in terms of the Tomcat um, and, and how you, how you would uh, fly this successfully. Okay, so another question from our listeners, and maybe let's start with Mooch. Uh, it goes, if you had to choose or you could add one thing to DCS that you're missing compared to what you've seen in real life, what would that be that comes to mind immediately? Nothing. Like we're saying, the DCS environment is 
much more immersive than military simulators. I, I think if, if the question is, what would I add that military simulators provide? Um, I, I guess the rest would be, uh, or, or you know, if we're talking about procedures, um, the ability for somebody to throw an emergency procedure at you, um, you know, a third party to give you a firelight or, you know, a, a flap slat lockout or something to go through procedures, if that's uh, what you wanted to replicate. Some of it is baked in, as I've described, you know, if you overspeed the flaps, you'll get a flap light. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I haven't flown enough to get a firelight or anything else. I don't know if there's some wild cards that come at you uh, along the way where you have to actually go through your emergency procedures, like pull the fuel shutoff handle and, you know, air source off and all that sort of stuff. Um, I haven't had that experience yet. In options, you can choose random failures. Oh, okay. And then you can get that stuff. All right. That's sort of like, you know, banging your hand with a hammer. But uh, um, so I haven't gotten there yet, um, you know. But so far, um, I, I wouldn't change a thing, you know. Uh, I'm obviously a Johnny-come-lately, uh, you know, like Casmo's been doing this since 04. Um, I was barely out of the Navy in 04. Um, and uh, so... Uh, I'm loving it, you know. I mean, e even the, the the flight deck environment, you know, what the what the director and kneeling the airplane, and you know, the guy in front of you, the JBD is up, and he go, he, you know, and then the JBD comes down, and the dudes are running in and out of the airplane, and the you know handler hands you off to the shooter, and you know, all of that is so. I mean, I got PTSD, uh, you know, doing this, um, and uh, so it it's, you know. It's pretty damn good, if not perfect. So I, I, my short answer is I wouldn't change a thing. I think compared to that, the airfields that we have are pretty kind of static and, and empty, right, Casmo? Yeah. <laughs> if you're not um, starting for a boat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It would be nice to have. And it's, it's you know, happy to glad type stuff. Um It, it depends, too. That's a, that's a hard question to answer because what's the context? So if I'm just Peter Pilot, what do I want to add? Yeah, it'd be cool to have like crew chiefs and stuff on the ground, you know, because you, you never just taxi out and there's no one around. You know, there's always something. Um, and it would be cool if they could kind of model the same thing they did with carrier they could do on the ground. That'd be cool. Have an active ATC that wasn't kind of brain dead ATC. Um, but I think really then when you get into the mission making side and of course, BD, you, you know more about this than I do. But there's certain things that I'd like, you know, as a helicopter advocate for DCS. I'd like them to model some dudes in the back of the damn Huey. Like, I don't know why that's impossible. I don't, I don't know why we spend so much time modeling the, this is what the engine looks like of the, of the black shark. Well, nobody's going to see that. Who cares? How about just draw some Bubba's in the back of the Huey so that I know that I'm actually carrying someone, you know, things like that, little silly, silly stuff like that. Um, but from a, from a aircraft, just flying at standpoint. Yeah. I'm with Mooch. I mean, I think it's, it's pretty good. I mean, a lot of guys complain, but they kind of complain about some of this really nitnoid stuff. It's a pretty good system. And if you've been playing flight simulators as long as I have, like, you know, back in the late 80s, early 90s, we've come a long way. And there's a there's very little to complain about when you compare what we have now to what we had with, you know, uh, what was that? Dynamics, Red Baron, you know, and 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 all those old school games. Yeah, we've Trek come a long way. And it looks, yeah, it looks really good. And um, and you've got a lot of capability. And so, yeah, I, I think. Be, be happy with what you got because it's pretty awesome. Well, I think kind of what we're getting at there is the difference between authenticity and realism. You know, we really love DCS for being an authentic product, an authentic experience. Um, but the realism, you know, the number of rivets in a particular, um, you know, wing panel might not matter as much as, hey, w sitting on the deck of a carrier getting directed around Mooch, you know, you it brought you back to a real-life experience you've had and, you know, put you back in that sort of place. And I think that's the, um, you know, kind of what we want out of DCS and what can always be improved upon. A lot of it is what you make of it when it comes to DCS. So I very rarely just jump in and fly around. I don't find a lot of enjoyment. That's just me. Um, but when I do, I try to do kind of like what Mooch was talking about. You know, I've been playing with the P-47 lately, and it's one aircraft where it's like, I just want to jump in and just learn how to fly this thing and just go through the motions. I want to start it up. I want to taxi out. I want to take off. I want to do traffic patterns. I want to land. Um, I, that's very rare for me. 
But when we get into the combat simulator part, I'm I'm kind of surprised and stunned at how when I see the statistics of how many people play DCS single player and only single player. And I just feel like those guys that are doing that, that's fine. If that's your business, I'm not going to kink shame you. But you are missing out on a huge component of what DCS can provide for you in a enjoyment slash combat simulator. I hate to put those words together, but uh, but when you get, do get to play multiplayer, and I know it's intimidating for some people for some of the reasons that I've said, you know, particularly radios. That's the number one thing that people tell me. Well, I don't want to multiplayer because I don't know what to say on a radio. Don't worry about it. Like. If you're playing with people that are going to shame you about how you talk on a radio, then don't play with those people. Find somebody else. Um, but once you get over that hurdle and you start playing multiplayer, I think you're going to see your enjoyment skyrocket because the simulation itself can only take you so far. The real simulation, in my mind, is is what you do with it, right? Like, like what kind of world do you create for yourself and how do you interact with other people? Um, you know, we're doing a mission tonight on my Twitch channel and there's like eight of us and we're going to do this full fledged, you know, we got a briefing and stuff and the amount of enjoyment that I have and kind of like what Mooch was talking about where you get to remind yourself back when you were Obi-Wan instead of Ben. Yeah, it's the same thing because I get to do things in the Apache that I never got to do in real life. You know, I got to do types of engagements that, that we only dreamed about, you know. Um, and so that's that's that part where that simulation part for me comes in. It's less about it being an aircraft simulator, but it's more about being a world simulator. So those are my thoughts. Just stop shooing people away from single player campaigns, please. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, go ahead and check out Baltic Dragon and his latest campaign, Raven One Part like Two. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. shaming. I'm using that. Yeah. So you guys, you guys are saying that uh, to really up the realism, that people need to start installing a piddle pack at home. Oh, absolutely. Well, helicopter. We just land and pee. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't have to pee in a bag, but. But yeah, but yes. no, but to, yes, to, to, to make light of your joke, BD, I mean, but that's why your campaigns uh, are, are kind of the exception to the rule, because you do spend so much time creating that immersive environment that it is almost like playing with other people because there is stuff going on. But I see a lot of people, they just kind of create their own little mission and they go fly it. Well, the problem is you already know what's going to happen because you're the one that made it. Um, and that's kind of what I mean is when you're, you're missing out on that element. Um. <laughs> no, no, well, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, multiplayer is just amazing, uh, offers yeah. a lot. It's a pity that we can't have more, like, let's say, DLC campaigns that could play with other people. Even for the Tomcat, where you can play with the Rio right. and the pilot, or two of you, that yeah. would be amazing. Or two people in Apache. And actually, that, that kind of brings a question to my mind um, for both of you guys, because both of you have experience in multi-crewed aircraft, and as you go forward in DCS... Um, is one of your, are one of your goals to be able to fly with another uh, player, uh, you know, Mooch either as the pilot or you know sitting back into the Rio, you know, getting back into the Rio position, and Casmo um, flying with another you know co-pilot Gunner. Um, is that something that you want to do? And if you have done it, what has your general experience been compared to your military experience? So uh, the answer is yes. I, I want to fly both seats, uh, particularly people are interested in seeing, um, you know, how I like the, the back seat, uh, being a Rio, um, you know, but th this is the choices you make there, um, are, are matter, you know, and, and so I'm not going to just jump in with just anybody. Uh, and, and so, um, you know, you, you can't fly the F-14 with just one seat. You know, you, you just can't. And then what frustrates me with what I'm doing so far with the BVR scenarios is the, you know, artificial Rio is not updating the range scale. So I can't see the bandit because it's, you know, not only is it blocked behind the stick, and I know you can make the stick go away, but a good Rio would update the range scale so that everything was in the upper third, you know. So those kinds of details, uh, you know, and, and just walking through the, you It'll say bra, you know, bearing range altitude. And it's it's not tactically significant. You know, it's not the information I need at that time. So this is where if I have a Rio who's who's good, um, that'll be a lot more rewarding. Or if I am the Rio, I hope to demonstrate to folks who've never had that experience and have flown DCS Tomcat for some time what the difference is. Because some of the videos I've watched on YouTube... A lot of extraneous chatter, 
and a lot of comms that are that are not relevant to a BVR timeline. And I know that because of some of the sit downs I've had with virtual squadrons in Discord or on Zoom uh, in, in the last year and a half, um, they're thirsty for how should we do it? Is this right? And, and so that's what I hope to do uh, with my episodes, uh, my DCS episode, episodes on the channel. So I absolutely have to fly the back seat as well as the front seat. What would be awesome is if I could get somebody like Oki or Tom Page or I'm actually having dinner with Heater Heatley uh, this Tuesday. And you guys may know Heater. He's the original Tomcat guy. He's in Top Gun a bunch. Uh, his I have book, his book. Yeah, the, the, the Cutting Edge is, is Heater's my hero. He was the original Tomcat guy, you know. And, and he's he was an extra in Top, in Top Gun. He's in the movie a lot. In fact, there's one classic part where he's looking at, at Tom Cruise as he gets his orders um, at the Top Gun graduation ceremony. And this is an extended shot of him looking at uh, him like, you are such a poser. That's my takeaway when I look at Peter <laughs> looking at Tom Cruise. Um, and, and so, um, you know, this is a tall order to go to Heater and go, hey, get a DCS rig. And then when you get proficient, you will be my pilot and we'll drive around and we'll conquer the world. Um, but that would be awesome. You know, and again, I was disappointed when finding out that how much Oki did in terms of the development of the F-14 module, and then he had no interest in actually being proficient in it. Um, you know, uh, Scott Kelly, the astronaut, uh, as anybody knows who's watched that episode that I did with him, was my pilot in VF-143. I mean, that would be awesome if we used to call him Grace. He doesn't quite use that call sign anymore. But if Grace could drive Mooch around, you know, like the old days... How cool would that be, right? So I think in terms of the brand, I got to be careful about who I pair with, for starters. Um, and uh, But I obviously need to, you know, do some episodes about the, the backseat, uh, you know, methodology and processes as well, you know. And I, and I would enjoy getting back in the backseat with somebody who is a good pilot in DCS. Yeah, I mean, and, and but right now, just to clarify, you as we were talking about, you're getting up to speed, and you're not currently recruiting. Is that correct? Uh, it, I'm recruiting my old squadron mates. Okay, actively. just want to make sure because <laughs> there are a lot I'm of. I'm not recruiting uh, general folks because I do get pinged a lot. Um, you know, <laughs> a, a million different ways to get in touch with Mooch. I'm the most reachable guy on the planet, as people know. Um, you know, and and so including smoke signals. Um, like, Hey, come fly with me. I'm just not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing that yet. You know, keep, keep your powder dry and in time, maybe I will do that. But, um, yeah, right not right now. I'm, re I'm not recruiting pilots or Rios at this time. Um, yeah, I would say, and I'm a big fan of having someone else in the cockpit to talk to. I know guys who fly, you know, Hornets and stuff and they, they can't stand the idea of having a Wizzo. They're like, Oh no, single seat or, you know, death. I always liked having somebody in the cockpit to talk to, you know, when things were nothing was going on. Um, but I think it's a lot of fun for me to jump in with somebody who who is an Apache guy. You know, there's the few of the guys that run the development team and stuff and to be able to jump in. But also flying with guys who, who have a basic understanding of how the aircraft works, but they don't know how to employ it um, is a lot of fun because it reminds me of when I was when I was a Jedi Knight and I was flying with young dudes and Padawans. And, you know, and I was teaching them stuff and, and, and I have a lot of fun with that. In fact, you know, I was for a while there on Twitch, I would just randomly join the server, you know, and I changed my name and I would jump in with somebody, you know, and they would eventually very quickly figure out who I was, but you know, I'd act like I didn't know shit, but, um, and we would run around and, and do stuff and I would like to, you know, teach them, okay, no, 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 don't do this, do this, you know, and, and put them in these situations. So I, I, I'm ecstatic, honestly, that they have these aircraft where we can have a crew because um I, I just for me it's a lot of fun i like having that crew coordination i like having the ability to to offload some work to somebody um and then like you know to to what mooch said you know the apache is the same way it is not a single pilot aircraft there's so much work to be done in there that you can't really do it yourself and the ai can get you there you know george can do good things but it's not the same as when you jump in with somebody else and they're able to do stuff it's so much fun and for the record, I've never met a single-seat guy who flew a dual-seat airplane who wanted to go back to single-seat. Hmm. Never. Interesting. Um, you know, so in the Super Hornet community, 
I know guys who've flown both the E and the F. I've never met a guy who's done that who would rather fly the E. We all like someone to talk to. Well, that's one thing. Somebody to talk to on a cross country, but also yeah. somebody to share, somebody to keep you from flying into the ground is also nice. Oh, it it really is. Yes, it really is. Yeah, especially some people complain about the gesture that he talks too much in in DCS. Well, the the my experience. I haven't flown with gesture yet, but whoever my guy is, when I'm just flying around the boat, yeah, that's you know, your guy. Bolter, that's gesture. Okay, yeah. so. Whoever did the voiceovers for that is like, you know, that guy in the ready room, you know, because um, they say these pithy things, you know, that if you want to irritate a pilot, that's a good way to do it. I'm going to text him right now and tell him you said that. Yeah. yeah. Well, what yeah. I'm going to be interested to see happen to Mooch as he's getting into as he starts this journey, um, because I I fly with guys who, who weren't Apache pilots. And when I get into the zone, like, uh, in fact, I just released the video and I remember there were some parts where I was just in the zone and my front seater was slow. And I'm like, no, dude, move the site over here. Do this, do this. And I'm throwing stuff at him just like I would have done in real life. And I remember I did this one time on stream and somebody commented and was like, oh, you're being really hard on him. You know, and it's like, I didn't mean to be, I'm not trying to be a jerk or anything. So I'm interested to see when Mooch starts flying with guys who, who don't have a background as flying F-14s is, is how he's going to interact with them. And I, I'm not saying that like you're going to be mean to him or anything, but I'm interested to see like that interaction of the cockpit where you're like trying to tell the guy like, no, dude, this is not what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be doing this. Um, yeah. That's going to be fun to watch. No, I'll, I'll probably be an asshole. Yeah. 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 That are, that are, <laughs> yeah. We all are. I mean, that's the bottom line. We're all going to be. Say. That's safe to say. Mooch yeah. will just like, if you don't meet this standard, he'll just eject. Yeah. No, that's, like, that's, yeah. that's a different level on no, the Patreon subscription. No, I won't do that. I won't do that. Yeah. I won't do that. Because, again, I take my simulator seriously. There's there's a guy out there who was ejecting randomly and thought it was funny. Uh, I think that's a that shows great disdain for the format. Wow. Well, I mean, we unpacked quite a lot there uh, over the last hour. Um, so I think we're going to start wrapping this up. But um, do you guys have any parting shots? Like how, you know, you've talked a lot about what your future in DCS is going to be. Um, is there anything you see coming down the pipe that you're excited about? I know, Mooch, you're just getting, you know, spooled up right now on, uh, you know, just getting into the cockpit and, and beginning your journey. Uh, but Casmo, anything coming down the you know, the pipe that you know of that you're excited for or that you would like to see going forward? Um, I guess it, it's funny because like I alluded to, you know, I've, I've started flying commercially for work and um, it's hard sometimes when you fly for real to get excited about flying for fake. <laughs> um, and so I did kind of go through this lull where I was like, I just don't want to play DCS. Um, but what I've kind of gotten a resurgence and what I've started to do and you can see it on my channel is, you know, I do have Patreon supporters and I'm always looking for more. Uh, but what I've tried to do is take them in and say, look, I'm going to create this, this campaign. I've created this world and it's kind of plug and play. And Hey, what, what do you want to fly? I'll find a job for it. And we're going in and we're flying these missions. Um, and they're not super serious, but they're, they're enough realism for, again, for those guys who just never got to do military aviation, or always wanted to know what it's like. They get to go in there, they get to talk on the radio, they get to go through a, a basic kind of brief and, and sort of this tactical understanding. And we do this stuff live, we do it on Twitch, and then I take it and I kind of chop it up and then I make a video out of it. So it, it saves me a lot of trouble because if anyone's been a content creator, they know it's just it's a never-ending stream of like, well, what do I got to do next? What do I got to do next? And so when able, whenever you're able to sort of um, not have to duplicate work, but you know, make it make it work for multiple things. It's a great thing. So I'm excited about it. We're like I said, we're doing the third mission tonight, um, and uh, that's just kind of what I'm doing going forward. And we're gonna do it with Apaches, and then I'm thinking we're gonna do it with Warbirds because I think DCS Warbirds is a lot of fun. I don't think enough people play it, or at least there's not enough content with it. Um, but that's that's what I'm kind of doing with DCS, and I'm excited about. And I'm hoping I can get Mooch to come fly with me Apache sometime, and then I'll fly F-14s with him. I have it. I don't know how to use it, so he can I, yell at I, me. I have some rotary wing time. I, I've flown the All H-60, right. the H-46, and the H-57. Um, yeah, um, and I've flown the V-22. Uh, but, oh, uh, yeah, I was on the V-22 program for three years, so right out of the Navy. Um, but uh, um, I think my answer in terms of, as you mentioned, uh, sport, you know, it's the in initial fam touch, you know, getting familiar with 
the basics. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, doing things like Dominant Fury. I mean, as we know, I contributed the voice of CAG uh, to Dominant Fury. BD and I are going to work on a campaign uh, when his calendar opens up here. Um, and, and so we'll have a Mooch version of uh, a DCS campaign um, in the next, you know, what, 12, 24 months kind of a thing. Um, exactly. And, and, oh, by uh, the way, uh, I, I think I have a great idea for for a setup, a new one. I'll, I'll, I'll text it to you and we can go over it. Oh, breaking news. All right, great. Yeah. <laughs> happened right here. You were here when it happened. Um, it's exclusive from ACS. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but the, the rest is full immersion. I'm, I'm kind of obsessive compulsive. I will tell you, um, I, you know, nobody predicted the growth of my YouTube channel. If you told me two years ago that I'd be a YouTuber at this level, um, I would have asked how that happened. But I've actually quit my job. YouTube is now my job. And the reason I did this was a couple of th things. One is my agent is really leaning on me to write another punk novel. So, okay, um, I, I will do that. We're going to have punk four. Um, and uh, the other is, as RG and BD and Jello and other guys were introduced me to this world, I realized I need to be good at this and I need to be fully immersed in this. And so anybody who does DCSS, we've intimated during this episode, knows it takes time to do it right. So I'm going to dedicate the time to do it right. And so this is not just, uh, you know, the basics. It's like, I, I think that's cool what Kazma's doing on Twitch tonight. That kind of thing. Um, and, and to get folks, you know, to, to have a community around my, my community, which is kind of gigantic these days, and, and uh, have them be more DCS literate and those who are DCS literate take it to the next level in terms of, I like what sports said about authenticity versus realism. I think he's right on. Have it be more authentic. Um, you know, if I can contribute to that and I believe I can uh, as I'm looking at it so far, uh, that's very exciting. So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. And Mooch, I'm happy for you to help me with those subscribers as well. So, <laughs> Okay. Do, do an episode about Robert. <laughs> Do a Robin Olds episode and then do one about Kara Holker. Uh, you know, I'm afraid the, the, my success is very specific to me, I think. I'm yeah. afraid. Yeah, no, I don't just tease him. Well, uh, BD, Rob, you guys have anything else? No, I think we're, I think this is fantastic. So thanks, gentlemen. I think you've given us some uh, really good insights from two military aviators on the. Uh, on their take on flight sims and some of the ins and the outs. So I really appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Thanks. They're great to connect with you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to Air Combat Sim. Don't forget to subscribe or tell a friend about it. you have a question, idea for an episode, or a special guest you'd like us to invite, feel free to reach out on Facebook, Discord, or via email. Air Combat Sim was brought to you by BVR Productions.